values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. So Arizona is reporting um, on the Arizona Department of Health Services website once a week now, every Wednesday morning at about 8.30 in the morning. It updates. This week, this past week in Arizona, there have been 5,153 new COVID-19 cases reported. There is a new variant that has reached Arizona, but there are also 457 deaths recorded. Hospitalizations are way down, especially among the youngest among us, but we are still seeing a fairly high number of deaths. So to kind of sort out where these numbers are and the direction that Arizona Arizona is going is the chief advisor on COVID-19 and former Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Carmona. Thanks for being here this morning. What do these numbers tell you? What direction is Arizona heading? Well, first, thanks for having me on this morning. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners and and help them understand some of this complex uh, stuff that we have before us. The numbers tell us that we're heading in the right direction. We're seeing there that there are more recent, more beds available, more ventilators available. We're seeing that there's less incidence of disease, but we're also seeing that it's still significant. So the message is we're still in a pandemic, although it's starting to uh, drop off and the numbers are looking better, but we still have to be very careful. We are seeing that there is a new variant that has reached Arizona, and they're saying that it is in the same direction as the other one, which was highly contagious, but not nearly as lethal. Is that what you're seeing with this new variant? Yeah, the new variant, and and we find this information out through what's called sequencing. Scientists in our state and around the country are doing the DNA sampling of these viruses to find out which one it is. This new one is this BA2, and it actually is uh, still uh, um, our vaccines work against it, and it's no more. It doesn't appear to be any more lethal and maybe a little more transmissible, but uh, overall, it's a, we're in a pretty good place with it because we know the vaccines work and our mitigation strategies work against it. Right now, about 72% of the United States is seeing this new variant. When looking at hospitalizations, there was only one additional hospitalization of anyone under the age of 20 in the past week as I was, when I was doing the math. But we are still seeing high numbers of people over the age of 65 going to the hospital and dying. 79% of the deaths this week were people over the age of 65. I also saw a story in the news that said we're having trouble in Arizona getting residents of nursing homes the booster shots and the vaccines. Wouldn't that be something that should be at a full court press if we're still seeing high numbers of elderly? people uh, being very sick and dying? Absolutely. And it is a full court press at Arizona DHS. In the past with vaccines, we have dispatched health professionals to our nursing homes, senior living centers, people that are shut in, high risk people like the Indians on the reservations, uh, poor people, migrant workers to bring vaccines to them, bring boosters to them. And we're continuing to do that now because we recognize that if you're over 65 years old, more likely you have chronic diseases. If you have chronic diseases and you're younger, if you're a transplant patient, we have targeted the most vulnerable populations and making sure that there's no barrier for them to getting their vaccine. So we've reached out to the various organizations that represent senior living facilities, nursing homes. We assess what resources they have. We deliver Uh, the uh, vaccines to them and in some cases even antivirals and help them Uh, when they need additional assistance. Like I said, remote areas, migrant workers, 
We've had vans go out to those communities and have special uh, vaccination programs to reach those populations. Dr. Richard Carmona is joining us. He is Arizona's top pandemic advisor to the governor's office. All right. So let's go. Let's go the other direction with younger people. Yeah. There's a lot of debate now in the school systems about masks. Do you have school districts that reach out to you or to reach out to the Department of Health Services in regards to their mask policies? The, we get calls every day, but local health departments are probably the ones more directly involved every day. Uh, and so, you know, Pima County, Maricopa County, uh, you, you know, and so on. And school districts make those decisions based on the new CDC guidelines, which talk about the degree of transmissibility. That is, we're seeing less and less transmissibility in the community. We look at the vaccination rates because that helps us to see how many people are protected in the community. And last but not least, we look at we look at the population of school children. It is very difficult to learn with a mask on. So you're trying to balance the child safety and, and, and optimizing the learning environment. So most school districts now where children can be vaccinated five and above, as you know, uh, we're still lagging a little bit in that regard, but we're still encouraging those vaccinations, still washing hands where you can do a little social distancing. All of those things help to stop the spread of disease. But we must remember we're in our third year of this. People are COVID exhausted. Our children are struggling in schools. So it's trying to find a balance that protects our children. Let's let's have them get the mask off. But it's important that we are monitoring the spread of disease in a given community, how many resources are available in the community, that is doctors, hospitals, nurses, if somebody should get sick, and then make the best decision for that community. Overall, where we are now with vaccinations and boosters compared to where we were the last time you and I talked, is Arizona tracking well? Are we slower than you wanted to see us? Or how are we doing? Well, I mean, I, I think I, I'd say we're doing better, but I'm still a little concerned because uh, when we look, 60% of Arizona adults still have not had a booster. 65-year-olds and up, about 40% have not had a booster, and those are the most vulnerable, 65 and up. We have 2,000 children, 200,000 children who have been vaccinated, but we have a total of about 645,000 children that are eligible. So where I've seen some increases and improvements, but we still have a way to go. And I would take this opportunity to please encourage all parents, get your kids vaccinated, okay? It's not only helping them, it's helping to stop the spread of disease in the community. For the seniors on the, on the line and those who are not seniors and or have chronic diseases, they have to take special medications, they have heart disease, diabetes, they have cancer, uh, they've had transplants, you need to get your vaccines and get your boosters. Talk to your doctors about it. Each case is individual, but for most cases, we, we strongly suggest you get fully vaccinated and get your boosters. You can go online and check on this at the Arizona Department of Health Services. Check with your primary care physician. There are many places to get boosters now and vaccines, and the state is willing to help you if you just call in and you're having a problem. So a two-part question then on boosters. Uh, Pfizer is saying that a fourth dose may be necessary and to be most effective. And I guess the next part of that question would be, is this going to become a seasonal thing like the flu shot where there might be a combination flu slash COVID shot that people get every year as a booster? Great great question. Uh, The scientists now are working on this and looking to see is it feasible to include this virus in the annual flu uh, vaccine. So you're, you're spot on in the thoughts because that would make it a lot easier than having to get a separate vaccine. And then as, as far as the, um, uh, the 
in fact, repeat the second part so I make sure that the, I don't the fourth, miss it. Getting another dose. The head of Pfizer said okay. a fourth dose yeah. or another booster may be necessary. Yeah, so, so uh, in fact, just this week, uh, we, have a state, we have state calls almost every day. Uh, I meet with the chief medical officers of the state on a regular basis. And then I have a White House call with the governor uh, every week uh, to get updates at, this, at the uh, federal level. The idea of that fourth dose or a second booster is being thought about right now. As of this week, there's not enough evidence to strongly support that yet, except that many of the scientists and clinicians are thinking that if we do this, probably the, the extra booster will be best served by giving it to the high-risk population, seniors and those who have chronic diseases, because we're seeing that the immunity seems to be dropping again after the last dose, the last booster, after maybe four, five, six months. And people should recognize this is not unusual. This is a new virus. We're learning as we go. But think back to immunizing your children. Think back about taking the boosters they get. They get right after six months, they start getting various vaccines. And those get repeated because we know immunity drops off and we had a long experience. So I don't want people to think that this is unusual, that, you know, we've heard the stories that uh, disinformation, that they don't know what they're doing. No, the scientists would know exactly what they're doing. The vaccines are probably the most important advancement in science in the history of mankind. And this vaccine, the mRNA vaccine, is not new to the point that we've been studying this type of science for over 20 years. And now it came to fruition under COVID. So, again, I People should disregard this disinformation, uh, the challenges that are being put out there by social media, by people who have other motives. Speak to your doctor, speak to your nurse, your primary care provider, talk to your um, health department, go online to reputable sources who are not trying to sell you anything, your university health systems, uh, Department of Health Services, the county medical societies, and get the right information from them so you can make the best decision. Dr. Carmono, I appreciate the time today, and I'd love to have you back on in the next phase of this. Be great. Thanks so much for the opportunity. All right. Thanks. That is Dr. Richard Carmona, the top pandemic advisor to the governor. In a moment, we go back to the topic of Russia and Ukraine. We'll do that in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Coming up, bottom of the hour at 1035, we are going to speak with the one and only Dave Ramsey. We are going to talk with him about finances. He is the finance guru. How do people save money? How do people reduce debt? How do they do all of that with inflation doing what it's done so rapidly to households? It should be a very fascinating conversation, as it always is with Dave. Looking forward to doing that coming up here in about 15 minutes. Um, Lindsey Graham has uh is is uh introducing a resolution to encourage the Biden administration to offer MIGs to the to Ukraine. So here's if you don't know this I think everybody knows the story by now but the, the government of Poland the Polish people offered 29 MIG jets to the Ukrainians through the US. They would give these 29 jets to the US. The US would give those 29 jets to the Ukrainians and then the, the trade would be the U.S. would give 29 F-16s, U.S.-made jets, back to Poland to replenish the supply of those 29 jets. 
The U.S. government said no, and uh, we really haven't gotten a reason why. They say that they have their reasons, and I don't want to just doubt people because I disagree with them politically on a lot of issues. I would love to know the reason why. The president laid out an $800 billion plan, an $800 million plan, where we are giving over um, – uh, air assault, you know, a weapon, anti-aircraft weapons, which have been very effective. We have seen a lot of jets and helicopters shot down. It's also given out a lot of anti-armor, shoulder-worn weapons that take out tanks and armored vehicles. We know we're giving them about 20 million rounds of ammunition. We are giving them machine guns. We are giving them shotguns. We are giving them other weapons of war so that they can fight the Russian army, the Russian military. I don't understand why these jets are a deal breaker. And I don't know the answer. I would love to hear it. So this is what the theory is from Lindsey Graham. I want you to hear a little bit from the senator. I am urging the Biden administration to reconsider sending the MiGs as well as additional air defense capability. I believe there's an overwhelming bipartisan support for that idea. There is bipartisan support for sending a package that includes fighter jets and air defense systems to the Ukraine immediately so that we can have a Ukrainian no-fly zone. I think what happened here is I think Putin threatened the Biden administration. If you send the jets, it'll be an escalation. And he folded like a cheap suit. So uh, Vladimir Putin has said that they need to cleanse, and I believe that was the word he used, they need to cleanse Russia of the traitors who are not supportive of the government, which is a terrifying statement to be made. Are we going to start seeing genocide against the Russian dissidents that disagree with the war? There have been many protesters. We know that some people have not been seen again. Speaking out, and it's it's a foreign thing to the U.S. We argue in this country about free speech, and I don't like the direction that we are going with it. I don't like people being called domestic terrorists. I don't like uh, all of those things that are happening in that regard, the marginalizing of U.S. citizens. I don't like that one group of people saying, if you don't get vaccinated, you should have your children taken away from you. I don't like the direction we're going, but we are nowhere near the kind of oppression and silencing that we see from Vladimir Putin making threats against your own people. I, I think it's, it is devastating and terrifying that those things are happening, but they are. We also heard from the Russians that they are now saying or they have said that they are strong enough to put the U.S. in its place. And I think, you know, um, you're emboldened to say uh, bullies will say a lot of different things until you you smack them in the mouth. Um, if you remember going back and, and um, what happened with the Russians and how, why are they so emboldened now? What has changed more than just the presidency? What has changed their mind? And I'm serious about this. When the Russians were involved with chemical weapons, when Bashar Assad used chemical weapons against his own people in Syria, and the Russians were at that air base and the Russians were responsible because the Russians were charged. They were supposed to go into Syria. They were supposed to locate and destroy all chemical weapons. And they didn't. What was the U.S.'s response? Tomahawk missiles being lobbed at that air base and a complete destruction. We never heard another word from them about it. Not one word. Now, I'm not saying that we should get involved in this war, but what I am saying about this is we should be conscious of what works with bullies and what doesn't. Coming up in just a few moments, we are going to have a conversation with Dave Ramsey. So we'll do that. Stick around.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here. So inflation is increasing all over the country. We believe March numbers are going to be dramatically higher than February's numbers. February's numbers set records, 40-year records for inflation. And... uh, and so we are uh, we are going to be talking with, here with Dave Ramsey in just a moment. You know, Dave from here at KTAR, he is the financial guru and is someone that knows so much about what um, uh, about personal finances, how to accumulate wealth, how to grow wealth. But how do you grow wealth with what's happening now? How do you grow wealth at a time when people are losing so much? So what we're going to do is. Um, All right, what we need to do now, I want to ask Dave this question. Dave, first of all, welcome. I appreciate you coming back on the show. Always, Mike. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. But I've got questions. Arizona is outpacing the rest of the country in inflation. A lot of it has to do with housing costs. Rent is through the roof. Housing prices are much higher than they were a year ago, which is good for homeowners like me. But for people trying to get into the market, it's a nightmare. So you are the advisor to people on how to take control of their wealth or their money. How do people do that? when there are so many things that are so much more expensive that are out of their control? Well, number one, you just take a pause and step back and watch and listen and go, is right now the time for me to be buying a house? It might not be. It's it's not a good time to buy a used car, as an example, uh, because they're they're through the roof. And it's all supply-demand curve. It's artificial inflation because there's a shortage. Uh, that was brought on by the pandemic. Housing is a little bit of that and a little bit of just everybody went cray-cray on it and just rushed out and had to buy one. And they, you know, it's a lot of people chasing very few houses and it drove the prices up. So the other thing that's happened, and I think we're going to see this help with this, is there's been no foreclosures to amount to anything in the last 24 months to 36 months uh, because of the mandates and then the, uh, the moratoriums. And we're getting ready to see the foreclosure start hitting the market again. The reason that's going to help is that's going to put more of a supply of housing on the market. If you haven't been paying your house payment for four years or three years or two years, and your house comes up for foreclosure right now, what do you do? You put it up for sale, and you sell it. And, and all those houses have not been on the market. And so you're going to see a substantial number of units come on the market in the next 12 months with that. When you look at the, I'd say the family right now that is trying to balance a budget, you've got gas prices through the roof. You've got food prices increasing. I have a story in front of me from one of the largest grocers in the world that is saying, hey, you better buy your food now because this inflation on food is not going to end. What does a family do that's trying to walk the walk that you teach them and still keep their heads above water financially? Well, uh, if you're a grocery store and you're suggesting that people buy groceries, I would not be shocked. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to back off on that just a little bit. <laughs> but, but you know, there, the inflation is real. Is it permanent? No, it's not permanent. Now, what's driven the grocery prices as much as anything is two things. One is, again, a shortage. So beef went up. Uh, any, all the factories associated with producing processed foods of all kinds were shut down and quarantined, and it's taken them a while to catch up. So, so again, a shortage of goods versus the demand is really high. And that's the tsunami that comes to shore after the earthquake, and that's what we're seeing there. The second thing that's driving this is cost of labor. 
And to get people off the couch, instead of sitting on their butts with Biden bucks, the Target is now paying 20 bucks an hour and offering to pay for your college education to stock their shelves. Uh, prior to the pandemic and Biden bucks and all the crap that we did with the government, you know, w- they were paying people half of that. Well, guess what? That 20 bucks versus that 10 bucks shows up in the cost of the goods that are on the shelf. So as labor costs go up, 100% of the time, that is transferred into the price of the good or the service, because those businesses are going to make a profit. And so this this idea of, oh, we all need a living wage, and you ought to make $15 an hour for doing nothing, uh, that bullcrap is now showing up in your grocery store prices, and that, too, will even out over time. Um, would you look at someone going into the housing market, if there are people out there with interest rates are going to start going up, we know the Fed's going to raise rates. What do they do? What do they do? What does the average person uh, do, the average do with rates going up? do with rates going up? Well, again, you don't buy when you're panicked. You don't buy because you're afraid of prices going up or interest rates going up and jump in and do a bad deal, do a bad idea uh, for you. And so it's the old thing of something's not a good bargain if it's a bad bargain for you, if you're not ready. So if you're broke and you run out and buy a house to avoid higher interest rates, you're going to get broker. That's why they call them brokers. Don't do that. (laughs) Calm down. Rent. Just sit here. Manage your budget. Manage through this ridiculous gas. Man, I had filled up my truck yesterday. Holy hundred dollars! Oh my gosh! You know it's unbelievable. So I, I get it. I get it. It's freaking us out. But we just have to manage the money today to be able to accomplish the goals tomorrow instead of running around with our head cut like a chicken with our head cut off in freakout mode. So the number one thing that you would tell people right now is to relax, calm down, don't make purchases you don't need. Is that is is that kind of the advice you're giving people that are talking to you? Exactly. And what do we do anytime any of us are in a crisis of any kind? We have to prioritize and take the problem apart. So we're going to take care of food first, lights and water second, housing third, transportation fourth, and, and way down the list is Netflix. Way down the list is MasterCard way down the list is a vacation on a cruise. And so right now you just manage for necessities and you prioritize, and that'll help you to make good, solid decisions. And then you can give yourself a little time for most of these prices to smooth out. I don't think they'll necessarily come back down, but they're not going to continue to skyrocket at this rate for the next three years. Last time we talked, you were talking about your book. It had just been released, and it was going gangbusters. How's it doing? I was the number one. We were blessed. Thank you, partly because of people like you. Thank you for helping us with it. No, I just, I was, you know, I've been kind of blown away and my eyes have been opened. I have, I I was joking, but it wasn't funny. I I meant it. I never wanted to talk to you about what I used, what I've done with my finances. You, it was, it's a confession I didn't want to have to make, but you've really opened a lot of people's eyes, myself included, on money management and wealth building. And I just wanted people to be able to have that, that asset so that they could help themselves at a much younger age than I did. Yeah, well, and I appreciate that. The thing about this inflation stuff and the labor market shortages and these kinds of things that we've got to remember is it's very real and it is scary. But if you sit and watch the 24-hour news people all day long, your brain's going to cycle up into fear mode and you're going to make some dumb decisions. So just manage what you can manage. And, yes, it hurts to fill up your gas tank right now. I just said it hurt me, okay? Yeah. Um, I thought Dave Ramsey's going to have to go in debt that day. It was bad, <laughs> you know. So, 
<laughs> but uh, but 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 it's not permanent. We'll get through this and manage to those priorities, the things that matter, and you will be able to prosper in America in the coming years. It is possible. All right, so my last question for you, is there a difference in the way you advise people if they're a small business owner and how to manage business debt or if it's an individual and managing household debt? Well, in terms of how you go at it, yes, but do I make an exception and say, uh, no, go deeply into debt because it's business? No, no. I I tell people to avoid debt, period, because uh, more debt adds more risk. You know, when the pandemic hit, I've got 1,100 people here on our payroll at Ramsey, and, um, and you know, if I had had... mortgages on these buildings that I'm sitting in that are debt-free, and if I had had no cash position, and I was like most businesses, uh, and, and, you know, revenue turns upside down there for about 90 days, we would have been out of business, and all those people would have lost their jobs because I because I thought debt was good. And, but since I didn't have any debt and I had a big old pile of cash, we came through it and actually made more money in 20 than we thought we were going to. Dave, you're the best. I appreciate you coming on and talking to the Phoenix audience. You know how popular you are here in this town, and, and they love to hear from you. So thanks for doing this. Mike, we love you, man. Anytime we can help you, just holler. We'll be on with you. I appreciate that. That is the Dave Ramsey. Sound advice in a time when people are freaking out, myself included. A a time to step back, relax, and just some advice from a guy that knows it better than anyone. Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk about early voting. And a little warning, my warning, our governor spoke out about this in regards to his own political party, my political party, and, and getting rid of early voting. We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, I want to remind you, the weather's getting warmer. KTAR and Fulton Homes want to remind you that two seconds is too long to take your eyes off your kids around water. For life-saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, just text the word SWIM to 620-620. Governor Doug Ducey was asked about an early voting lawsuit being brought by the Arizona Republican Party. And a lawyer for the AZGOP said in-person voting at the polls on a fixed date on Election Day is the only constitutional manner of voting in Arizona. I want you to hear a little bit of a Fox 10 report on this lawsuit. Arizona's Constitution says that you have to vote in person on Election Day. And early mail-in voting, it says, does not satisfy that requirement. That's why they're challenging it. But there are a lot of people who are pushing back. A former Marine and a retired senior joining forces in a fight. I had 70 and 80-year-old people, a senior, standing in line for five hours to try to vote at the polls. That's ridiculous. That's inhumane. Seniors can't do that. When I was in Afghanistan, it would take weeks, sometimes months, to get our mail. How much time do you think we would have to get an absentee ballot, fill it out, and mail it back without early voting? We wouldn't. 
So that's part of a Fox 10 report. And um, the Republican Party is promoting this. So Governor Ducey was asked about it. He's not a big fan of early vote this lawsuit. And I want you to hear from the governor and then I'll give you my two cents. The open court case is ill-conceived and poorly crafted. It would undo the work of many Republican governors and secretaries of state over the past several decades. And I'm certain the way it's written, it's destined to fail. And yes, there is more that the legislature can do to bring clarity to the election cycle. And I'm confident that they'll be able to get it done. And I and I I agree with that statement that you can be somewhere in the middle on this. You can say to, to people very honestly, there are things we can do to, to improve election integrity. And there's no doubt about that. The fact, you know, showing ID to vote, proving who you are to vote, not showing up with a provision, getting a provisional ballot or whatever it is when you show up with an electric bill, having to show your ID to prove who you are. You know, you can't get on an airplane without an ID. You can't pick up tickets to a show without an ID. You you there are things you cannot do without identification. And so to say that 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 somehow disenfranchises voters is absolutely false. The problem is it is immensely popular in Arizona for to vote early, both in the Republican Party, the Democratic Party and with independent voters. It is immensely popular. If you are going to be the party that tries to take that away from them in the interest of fairness or whatever it is, especially when you've been doing it for years, what I mean is Republicans have supported early voting for years. I understand wanting and needing fairness. I understand integrity matters because if it's a rigged game, no one's going to vote. You're going to chase people away. But you are going to alienate voters and the voting demographics. You know, if you look at it, there are huge numbers of independent voters. You are going to alienate those people if they believe that you are trying to make it harder for them to vote by forcing them to go to the polls on Election Day. Now, I go to the polls. I love going to the polls. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't know why. You know, I don't mind standing in line and I like voting at the polls on election day. But there are so many people out there that vote early. They like the ballot. They like to be able to open up whatever voter guide they're looking at or consult people and look at a ballot and take their time and then either drop it off or mail it in. And it's worked. And the way we've done it in Maricopa County has worked. Can it be improved? Probably so. But trying to say that we are going to change an election, if this is, you know, if this happens, to change an election, to only be able to vote on election day is going to be a nightmare, especially especially in very congested metropolis, you know, uh, urban areas like we have here in Phoenix and Tucson and even up in Flagstaff. And, and I think that it's going to backfire. My biggest issue here is with six huge statewide races and really good Republican candidates. They have a chance. The Repu- My party has a chance to win the vast majority, if not all of those races. Will it happen? I don't know. But they have a great chance and big changes in Washington, D.C., in the Congress, in the House and Senate. And instead of focusing on that, they're focusing on 2020. And the appearance to a lot of people is sour grapes. You lost an election. And I I was I said it about the Democrats. Go win elections. Quit whining. You didn't lose 2016 because of the Russians. You know, uh, Stacey Abrams in Georgia lost. Hillary Clinton lost. Deal with it. 
And now it's how do you in good conscience not say that about your own party that has backed early voting for years? Go back and look. Republicans have been behind early voting for a long time. And now all of a sudden it's the bane of our existence. It is not the reason why why the House and the Senate and the Arizona State Legislature are much closer now. It is not the reason. And they better wake up to what the reasons are. And I hope they do because I don't want to see my party fail. And I think this is a step toward failure. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, a flat tax proposal. Is it a good idea or is it not a good idea? It's got some people in the legislature very angry about the way it's being done. I'm going to defend it. I think it's a great idea. Next.